Welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Steve. Ward. Mike. And Dan. Okay, Ward, you spent so much time looking up movie quotes, and you went with that? That wasn't... I'm guaranteeing you that wasn't a movie quote. No, it wasn't. All right, moving on. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Primer. Our game of the week is going to feature battle box games for War Machine and Hordes, and we're going to talk about some of our experiences with League Play. So before we get into the main content... Where are we with the painting challenge? Behind, is my guess. <laughs> We're yep. losing. Oh, wait, that's a is good that, estimate. Is that, are you talking about an overall statement of the painting challenge? Well, I don't know. What have you guys done? I did the most this week. I win. I actually managed to get uh, 56 points by painting up, painting up my dystopian fleet, so I'm pretty amped. That's me. I think hell is frozen over. Yeah, I know. I painted actually a No, no. Amount. Hell didn't freeze over because Ward didn't paint anything. Yeah. If, we, there's oh, if you had both got points this week, okay. it would have been like Let, a let's, shitstorm. Let's cause a natural disaster next, <laughs> next podcast, Steve, and both do some okay. painting. Yeah, because you know there haven't been enough natural disasters around us so far. Well, this one will be man-made. Oh, oh. that's kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can have a natural disaster that's man-made, but we'll move people, on. People will say, Mother Nature and Warden Steve, watch out. Yep, Okay. <laughs> I pa- I painted none, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, zero. Yeah, uh, Let's see what did I do. I did um, some SRS tokens for uh, Firestorm. Uh, three large naval ships and uh, a bunch of tiny flyers. Yeah, so I think that was good for what fifty four for you. Yeah, yeah. 54. I win by two points. And uh, for myself, I painted up. I'm currently in the process of doing my Operation Shadow Hunter fleet for Dystopian Wars. So I got. A chunk of those finished, and the rest of them, like, half done. I think it's good for about 20 points. You for... also did do fireworks for an American fleet. Yes. I do have, like, 4th of July-themed uh, America boats. Federated <laughs> 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 States of America. Okay, so on that note, the most weird thing I saw this weekend, uh, I was at a family reunion in southern Alberta, and we're driving down the highway, and there's a Confederate flag hanging, out of, like, outside of a farmhouse just off the highway. That's out of place. In Alberta. That is, miles like, away. Su- yeah, that's a few Alberta, thousand right? miles away. Yeah. Well, maybe the South will rise again in Alberta. Who knows? I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Seems strangely okay, well, appropriate. What did you paint, Tom? Um, I painted a couple solos for my Mercs. Cool. Um, so not nothing too crazy, but uh, I still did. higher than Ward. Yeah, absolutely. And it's still working on the army that in I want to get done. In fact, one might even say you are infinitely higher than Ward. Hey, we it's should... actually impossible to calculate how much I kicked Ward's ass this week. Yeah, you know, what? if we That's if true. we times <laughs> what, if we times what I did and we to what you did. We'd equal what I did. That is less <laughs> math. So, Dan, where are we at compared to Mr. Wong? Um, Hobby Night in Canada, we amassed a total of 142 points this week. Woo! And John... Of which zero was Ward. Woo! Okay, continuing on, I want to know how, how far we're behind. Uh, so John this week, he painted up uh, 45 infantry, 5 vehicles, and 2 super heavies for his orcs. Sweet Jesus. For 90 points. <laughs> So we, we did catch up a little bit this week. We made some positive gains on him. However, he is currently batch painting. I believe it was a batch of 196 orcs. Yes, I heard that. So um, next week we better get busy. So what's okay. our what's our actual <laughs> total, total right now? We're down by, <laughs> what, 90 points you were saying overall? Yeah, the, the total right now is uh, 546 for John and 451 for us. So it is still within the realm of, like, possibility. Okay. Question mark. Although we are totally going to get spanked this week. If John's yes. parents are listening to this, put him to work. Yeah, make him <laughs> raise a garden or something. I don't know. Something raise very, a garden? Something really labor intensive. Imagine. Would raise be a garden. Raise a garden. That's Grow a you... garden. Grow a garden. Thank you. Plant a garden? Plant a garden. That's what it is. Oh my God. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> I'm, I, should we have the talk about the birds and the bees soon, Steve? Because I mean. <laughs> This is like one of the basics, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, keep going. Okay. okay wow. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> did any of you guys play some games this week? Woohoo! Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Ward. We'll end with me. I'm exciting. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I actually played some X Wing and enjoyed it. You sound surprised. Oh, wow. 
I am surprised. It was really fun, actually. It's a good game. Well, here's my issue. I've been getting really, really, really disenfranchised with uh, Attack Wing because of how totally zany it is. And X-Wing is a very similar gameplay that just feels better. It does. I- I'm eating my words because I originally liked Attack Wing more, but it's everything I hate about Attack Wing doesn't exist in X-Wing. Yes. Ooh. But Continue. if you want to play more than two factions, that's... I don't game. care anymore. If I want to play a more fun game, really? it's going to be X-Wing. You're kidding me. No, man. It's, it's I am just surprised. a better game. That, I, I'm totally shocked by that, because that was... You were so anti-X-Wing. I was. I was. But it, Attack Wing has some serious design flaws yeah. that are getting worse and worse oh, for sure. with every release. For sure. Whereas X-Wing seems pretty legit. It's because the Attack Wing designers don't play Attack Wing. Apparently. Yeah. Like, it's still not a real game. But <laughs> but I did enjoy it. Okay, well that's. I'll, I'll count that as a partial victory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you got him. You got him halfway there. Another few so games, he, and he might actually. He enjoys it, but up. he won't admit it. It's a game. Okay, that's 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 definitely a partial victory. Close yeah. enough. Uh, I managed to play some battle box games, and I also played a game of 40k. I played 1500 points of Dark Eldar versus Necrons. There was no allies, no crazy psychic shenanigans, and actually had a really good game. Stuff died. That's cool. Um... And there were no troops added to the board, so that was also cool. Uh, it kind of reminded me of an old uh, Fifth Ed game, but we also did play with the mission cards. And those things are just so frustrating. Uh, I mean, I got one where I had to blow up a building. He has no buildings. So that's cool, you know. One of his buildings or any building? Well, you have to blow up a fortification, but... Nobody um, took fortifications, because who takes fortifications? Yeah, like, why would that... There's You can't just blow up runes. They're already runes. So I had that. Um, I also got the Cast of Psychic Power card with my Dark Eldar, so that's cool. In the mission that we played, you started out with six cards, and you lost one each turn, basically. So was when it you, random, or is it by choice? Oh, it's totally... You, you have to choose the one that you lose. So you're trying oh, okay. at the beginning to like get as many points as you can, and then when you manage to get, like, you draw your one card, and it's something completely useless that you can't accomplish, you're just like, well shit, hopefully the other guy has shit cards, because I don't know who's going to win. And that was really fr- frustrating, but it was a good game. Um, I managed to lose by a few victory points. I think I, I conceded after I lost my HQ. So That was me. I went to Manitoba, and I played some X-Wing games. Nice. <laughs> did X-Wing in Manitoba? <clears throat> I did, yeah. I took... Uh, I wasn't sure if those were related. The way you sang it, it was confusing. Everything's better in a sing-song voice. But, uh... Um, it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but I is took... Is everything better in a sing-song it voice? Is, it is. Try it. You know what I mean. <laughs> Sing always to uh, Kyra and see how that goes from now on the I've, rest of your life. I've tried one day and that was enough for her. She was tapped out. Okay, so. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yes, I <laughs> I was convinced to take my X-Wing uh, armies to Manitoba because I have a friend that's getting into it there. So me and Mark played uh, two games, uh, one night each. Uh, I crushed him both nights. <laughs> well, you're Very a good, nice. good teacher. I'm a yeah. good teacher. <laughs> nice, nice no, guy. well, I, I helped oh, him out. Yeah, I helped him out because, yeah, well, okay, he's sorry. they just have like a, a fledgling group that's starting um, in their town. So uh, I got to meet another guy too, Chris, and we played a game on Sunday while watching World Cup and playing some X-Wing, and we did the 200-point game. So I field 200 points. They each did 100 because they were still kind of getting into it, mm-hmm. and uh, they beat me. So there we go. Oh, so they nice. were. Le- Mark was learning, and uh, yeah. So now I have to watch out next time. I'm gonna go back in September and probably bring some X-wing. And also, just like Steve, I played some battle box games, and we'll, we'll get into that later. We sure will. That's me. Oh, it's my turn. It's uh, me. I actually didn't play a lot of games. I only played a battle box game. To, uh, give it a shot, but I'll, I'll have to say for the first time. I'm actually excited to try War Machine more, so that's really big for me, actually. It's a good game. We'll talk more about that as well later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, for myself, I did not play any Battlebox games, but uh, yeah, I played uh, some X-Wing against Tom, and uh, apparently he didn't hate it, which is good. No, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I tried out, um, I was trying with the new Z95s for the first time, like the really cheap Rebel ships, so Did you do a full uh, Rebel Swarm? Um, I had five ships. I had two two Not characters. Quite. So, I think mathematically you can do you can do up to eight, but I mean that's just with your um, Z ninety fives. So I took uh, Garvin Dreis, who's the X wing where he can give away focus tokens after spending them. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the other guy was Dutch, who he's the Y-Wing pilot, where when he target locks, one of your friendly ships gets to do a free target lock as well. And then I had three of the Z-95s. So, yeah, it was definitely a neat little list. And So, uh, quick, off-the-cuff uh, comment. TIE Swarm or Z-95 Swarm? I still think the TIE Swarm's a little bit better because it can turn harder and is a little bit faster. Cool. Mm-hmm. has uh, options for the K-turn as well. It can do a three or a four, where the Z-95 only does a three. So... I think it's on the strength of the maneuvering and uh, the barrel rolls. You have a little bit more flexibility in the TIE Swarm, which will make it slightly more flexible than the Z95s. So there you go. Dan says take Z95, or not Z95s, take TIE. Just buy your starter box and never buy anything else. Or, right? Well, no, well, starter box only gets you two. <laughs> so yeah. you, oh, really? It's only two? I thought it was three. Uh, the starter box is two TIE fighters and one X-Wing. Oh. So you'd be buying many, many, many starter boxes to make that Swarm yeah, list. And you only, get, you only get half the TIE pilots that way. So yeah. to get like Hellrunner and some of the other ones, you have to buy the expansion TIE Fighters. Shows you how much I play X-Wing. Three starter boxes and then a, a blister or two of TIEs is pretty good. Just saying. Okay, All cool. Right. All right. <laughs> Science. All right. So, and... All right, Ward. Science. Guess what the next, seg- next segment is? I'm guessing it's Hobby Break! Yep, you were correct. Oh, man. <laughs> I really got to stop like humoring him with that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I got to come up with a different way to say it. So, as promised, we're going to be talking about Primer this week, and I think just starting it off, talking about some of the different Primer manufacturers. First of all, what we should say is Primer actually isn't boring. I know most of you heard Primer and probably turned this off, but I think it is uh, probably the most important part of painting a model. This is the uplifting Primer, so to speak. Yeah, and if you don't have that book, find it, because it's awesome. It's so good. You can fight an orc by simply pushing its forehead back, because they're small and diminutive. And, oh, yeah, like, and aren't Tyranids afraid no. of like bright shiny? Yeah, don't want to no. shoot las guns at them. You have to they'll sh- run away. You have to shoot guns in the air because uh, <laughs> afraid of loud noises. Afraid of loud noises. That's okay. The one. So to bring <laughs> everyone in on the joke, that's uh, Games Workshop. What about seven or eight years ago released uh, the, the Imperial, Imperial Guardsman uplifting primer? Oh. It's the How to Be an Imperial Guardsman. I should and find, it is so funny. I should find mine, and then every podcast we should write one of the read one of the sayings. We the need day. to read one of the punishments. Because the punishments are always invariably <laughs> flogging and then death. Yeah. There's no, nothing no, no, other than 70% flogging. are death, 10, 20% are flogging, and... Uh, yeah, it's usually just a variation of 10% order. 10% are <laughs> something The flogging minor. guy after he's dead is kind well, of... There is that in there. I'm pretty sure it? drunken officers get shot and then flogged. I, I and I remember it. reading that and being like, neat, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> just for the extra shaming. Anyway, primer. So, primer. let's start with the basics. So, your Games Workshop Primer. I think we can all agree that the black is probably one of the best primers out there. Yeah, apparently they change manufacturers once in a while, but their general most common primer, uh, if you don't get one of the weird batches, is probably the best one out there, I would say. And it goes for about 20 bucks for a large can, which is which pretty reasonable. S- yeah. uh, honestly, for primer, it they, is. They don't make small cans anyway, so... yeah. Yeah, and I mean, 20 Some bucks, though, I think is games still... Workshop games Workshop No, no, does, but yeah. it's not considering it takes two Tamaya uh, cans to make one When GW, you're talking right? about model Tamiya. primer, I guess we should get into this later, but yeah, mm-hmm. GW, in terms of the model primer, like Tamiya, that kind of thing, is yeah. probably reasonable for 20 bucks. It is a little bit cheaper, yeah. Yeah. So, have any of you guys had any bad experiences with the GW primer? Not black, but... I, I just... It was the can. Just the nozzle came off, and then I was like, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Wow, Mike. Uh, I had one word it went all fuzzy, but that was more of a air conditions and climate at the time before you realized what was going on. Basically, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking. Priming about. Priming in the winter. Yes, basically. Yeah. Or even in oh. just high humidity. Yes. Yeah, I'll do it too. Too too hot or too cold will mess up your primer. Yeah, surprisingly enough, the instructions on the can do actually help. <laughs> so, anyways. Dan, you uh, got anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, primer? I don't know. I haven't really had too much negative with the GW Black Primer. And le- again, unless you get the um, the alternate formula once in a while where it takes like an hour to dry. It and it smells prim- weird. It yeah. still is good primer. It just isn't that like instantaneous drying primer that's, and that's really good. And that's the thing is with the with the normal GW Black Primer, because it dries so fast, like I'm used to being able to handle the models after about five minutes. Yeah. So every now and then if I grab a can and it happens to be one of that like random off formula you get once in a while... I'll go to pick them up five minutes later and just get gigantic thumbprints all over their faces. Yeah, so that that's bad. You pick them up by their faces? I just kind of grab them, and it inevitably tends to be like the worst no, I place to put a thumbprint. You get a dude with a bald head, and you've got like <laughs> right there, and you've got nothing but finger marks in them. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yep. uh, I was going to say with the GW, I've never had a problem with their black primer, but their white primer. 
Yeah, I'm not is a, fan. a waste of time. Uh, is absolutely terrible. I've had that one fuzz on me so badly that I had to, I mean, throw out the models. Like, they were destroyed. They looked like they had, like, a fungus growing on them. Well, it it's, like, it's basically the furry versions of whatever the Game Workshop <laughs> model was. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you throw them in the YIF pile and just walk away. <laughs> it just Google YIFing, kids. No, builds- don't. <laughs> Please don't. Also, don't Google yiffing kids, because you'll, <laughs> you'll go to jail. Commas <laughs> oh, wow. are important. Grammar, folks. <laughs> yeah, Listen to Weird Al's word crime song. Pro It'll tip from, from Steve Lind, do the Google yiffing, safe search off images. You'll have a great time. <laughs> no, don't do that. Not right now. Don't, don't, don't do that. But Please, yes, no. white, white primer, I find, builds up. Really quickly, and like, yeah, it causes that like fuzzing effect. Yeah, it's terrible. White primer from GW, stay away from. Mike was saying, uh, and I use the same stuff now. Yep. Tamiya. Tamiya, the white primer, it's really thin. It is awesome. It's got good coverage. It doesn't. I've never had it fuzz or do anything on me, but it is more expensive a little bit. I think. Yeah, it's rare that I prime a lot of stuff white. Yeah. So I find that that's usually enough. Because I think it's what normally about twelve to fourteen dollars for a can about half the size. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But I mean, it's well worth it. It's got, like I said, it's it's overall it's good. It's got good coverage. It's not going to fuzz on you, at least hasn't on me, and it is very, very thin, too. It so seems to be a you don't slight lose bit any, more glossy. Maybe, but he, like I said, it's because it's so thin, you don't lose any yeah. details from over-priming, I guess you'd say. So while we're talking about the Tamiya's, have any of you guys tried the gray primer they have? Yes, yes. it's the same thing. It's really good as well. Yeah, the and Tamiya product is good. It is more expensive. Uh, I've used their, uh, their gray primer and their black as well. And, and the black is nice. It's good. It's just not worth the cost over the GW. Um, but yeah, I mean, any of the t- Tamiya primers, I imagine, are good. Because they also make a brown and a green, I think, right? Uh, I think the brown. I'm not sure about the green. But, but they made a brown probably, and green. Yeah. But either way, the Tamiya stuff, I would almost guarantee you, is going to be good. Yep. So, I, another one I've heard a lot of guys talk about is the, the Privateer Press, the P3 primer. Now, I had a chance to use this, and it, it's the same size can as the G-Dub one. And it normally it's probably sells, cheaper, is my guess. It sells for like 16 bucks yep. for the can instead of the 20 And it is terrible. I am not surprised. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, though, is most of the P3 range is really good. But this primer, I would I primed the models, and it was this super dull, awkward, kind of almost grayish sheen to the black. Hmm. And then when I went to pick up the models, it just started rubbing off. Like almost like a charcoal. Like, you're, yeah. you're like it was like yeah, literally like a graphite stain on your finger kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. That's weird. Huh. It was really bad. And maybe I just had a bad can, but... Holy shit, was that a bad kid? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. You're not going to be like, hey, I should go out and spend another $16 and try this again, you know? Yeah, when you can spend $4 more and get something that you're guaranteed to be good with. Well, almost guaranteed to be good with. Yeah. I, like, with black, I'd say you gain. The only issue we've had here is the nozzle fell off of one. <laughs> and it's... That, that doesn't, that's a big thing because that doesn't ruin your model. Like, yes, it's a pain. you got to go get a new can. My my other issue though is that all their cans look the same, so I would I would also like if you're planning on like maybe varnishing late at night, maybe label your cans with a special system. Or just keep the black lid or the clear lid, so you don't grab the black primer when you're trying the GW, to Because the GW they have the black the black lid for the black, the white lid for the white, and a clear for the you know hard coat or a purity seal, whichever you're it's using. It's Ward. Derek, it, it makes sense, but. Derek, uh, I remember, was at one of our events. I think it was actually a fracas at the painting competition, and he had painted up a, one of the new Carnifexes at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was saying he had to repaint it the previous night because he varnished it with white. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, I imagine it wasn't much of a varnish because that would be something you'd notice quickly, but... Well, even <laughs> one, one spray across the back of a Carnifex, and you're hooped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... You, I think It's, it's like a tiger done. stripe. Pro tip, keep your varnishes and your primers separate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or that's one thing I like about having the testers dull coat is the tiny cans where I don't have any spray paints that are that size. So it's really hard to get those mixed up. Mix, yeah, mixing the range that way is good because I've got the black primer for GW and then, yeah, the dull coat for testers or something like that. Yep. For sure. Yeah, I know we're off on a different tangent here, but for for uh, dull coat or uh, varnish, use testers, testers dull coat. There's just no option there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheap and it's good. Yeah. Uh, another primer I got to use recently was the Mr. Hobby range. Mr. I actually Hobby. like their stuff, despite it looking really questionable. Well, and I always think of Spaceballs when they had the Mr. Radar. Mr. Coffee. Mr. Coffee. <laughs> mission, like, but jam them. <laughs> Raspberry. <laughs> uh, but it was, 
for a can about two thirds the size of a GW can, it was sixteen dollars. So a little bit more expensive, and it was it covered really well. Yep. And I would probably say the good GW one that you get most of the time is better, but I would probably take it over top of the random mm. occurrence of the this is so hard to describe because it's GW Black Primer half of it's good half of it's bad if it's good stuff I wouldn't even say it's half I'd say it's like 10% of the time you get the weird stuff yeah yeah, I would agree with like that every now and then there's just like one batch at a retailer where it's all the off formula it's stuff it's like a game of Deer Hunter someone's shaking yeah. one up and it's destroyed and it's terrible that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way it yeah, is yeah really yeah uh, that's a really Canadian reference if anybody is in <laughs> Google Beer Hunter um, See, that's okay to Google. Yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Mr. Hobby stuff I've used, I haven't used their primer, but I've used some of their uh, other paints, and they seem to be a pretty quality product. I would I would recommend them. Where do you grab Mr. Hobby from? From Comex. Oh. In Edmonton. Otherwise, who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I would imagine any of the main hobby stores. It's, it's not something you're going to find in a game store. But any of the legit hobby stores do a lot of model kits. will probably have it. Yeah, and, and you could also talk to your like local store and just see if they can bring it in too, right? If their distributors are well, and again, yeah. it'd be a hobby store because it'd probably come from the same distributor as like Tamiya model kits yes. instead of toy soldiers. Yeah, and the, I think their stuff is more geared towards like uh, cars and airplanes and that kind of thing because they do like a lot of. Uh, metallic colors if you wanted to like spray a you know burnt orange on your nissan 350z or whatever you're doing so um so i think they're sorry. aimed at that sorry no that's just not a color that you would normally use on your regular models if unless I, you're me i'm just just the car just that just came out of nowhere it was amazing okay keep going well that's a, that's a good color <laughs> well, on that's that basically car. it uh have any of you guys used any of the other primers yes army painter yes I how is it too i used it on terrain because it's terrible Yes. I actually, um, I don't know if Armory still makes primer, but they used to make a really good, like, for me, I really liked it for scenery. It was about four or five bucks a can. It didn't go on, um, like, that shiny, like, deep black, but as just like, it was a little bit lighter, like, maybe a really dark gray, but it was, like, $4 a can. So it was really, really good for spraying, like, yeah. um, the GW, like, plastic buildings, like City Fight. Because it had a slightly grainy texture, it actually made the dry brushing. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Too. Same with the Army Painter stuff. Yeah. So yeah, not necessarily army painted clogs like you wouldn't believe. Them. Yeah, you get you get one use out of that can, so yeah. that's why it's good for scenery. Yeah, that's what mm. I mean. It's like I stopped and then I went to do a different batch the next day, and it is not happening. So, I even held it upside down and cleared the nozzle out the, the before, uh, like when no, I finished using my primer. No, but it's like spraying like fine sand. It'll, yeah. it'll spit at the model then, right? Huh. The following day, it might. no, it, no, it, even the following day it went, and then that was it. It got so clogged up after that point, nothing came out. Wow, mm. it, it might spit if you're lucky. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's We're the not same kidding. Thing we one had. setting. Get everything yeah. done in one it's, setting. It's a terrain primer. Set that it is and it. forget it. <laughs> sure. I was actually quite disgusted with it. How's that? The uh, other one that we oh. have used is uh, the Duplicolor uh, yeah, there's, automotive um, primer. There's a Duplicolor sandable primer that I've used a couple times. I think it only comes in a few colors. like Gray. Uh, I think they have the gray and um, like that dark you brown. Know, rusty brown red. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if they have like a black or a white. Um, I frankly wasn't looking for them at the time because I would almost guarantee you that they don't. Automotive yeah. primers are always those gray or brown for bodywork. Um, Actually, I think they're... they do have a red. I think they have a dark red as well. Like that's really? not necessarily the brown, but that's bizarre. Like a rust somebody... brown. I think somebody online, like, I checked out the Duplicolor, actually, because somebody was, um, they were priming, I think it was the post-heresy word bearers, like a really dark red. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, this stuff works awesome, and it's really cheap. So I tried it in the gray, and um, it's weird. It almost looks like there's the odd little tiny bit of silver fleck in it once in a while. Hmm. Like, um, but the actual color, it covers fairly well. It is cheap, and as a darker gray primer, which is what I wanted for my word bearers, it's worked out beautifully. Yeah, and the thing, you want to make sure you get the sandable primer and not like a high build. The sandable primer is meant to be a guide coat, they call it, for an automotive work, and that you can actually, it goes on thin enough. If you get a high build primer, your model is going to be round. <laughs> that goes on very thick. Yes, because so some sure of the primers, careful. some of the primers are designed to like fill in the small blemishes on a car. Yeah, this whereas the small blemish, you. the small blemishes on a model are what you call details, like eyes, <laughs> like eyes and faces <laughs> and other lovely things. So yeah, it's it is important to get the right stuff for sure. Yep. And but yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, the the Duplicolor Sandable Primer has worked out pretty it's well for cheap. me. Cheap. Yeah, they're it's maybe half the price, like eight to ten dollars a can or yeah. something like that. And uh, in a similar vein, I was talking to John about this the other day, and um, 
He actually says that he almost exclusively uses Tremclad automotive flat color primers. That would be and, about the uh, same thing as my yeah, guess. Very same similar. thing. He said it's uh, they come in a variety of colors and they're about six or seven bucks a can. So, Dude. yeah, I would be again careful with the Tremclad stuff. I know Tremclad isn't quite as high quality as Duplicolor. We're talking about automotive primers, so quality is not really their thing. But uh, especially when it comes out of a can, that's not really how automotive primer usually works. It's kind of a misnomer. But uh, yeah, I would probably John. Sorry, I would probably stay with Duplicolor. <laughs> okay, John, so John, John probably <clears throat> buys it in bulk, though. Yeah, that's probably he probably gets a discount by the flat. Yeah, exactly. Sixty yeah. cans Sho- shows up at Costco, and they just like, oh, let's load it up again for you, John. Yeah, he's probably got an account. <laughs> okay, so for, <laughs> put it on five bucks. Gita primer, uh, black or white? Black. Wait, we're not five. even. That's obvious. Five. 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 Yep, five. Absolutely. Gita white. Uh, well, zero. Zero. I would score on my own net. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not zero. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, I cannot recommend it to anyone, so I'd give it a zero. And so it's unanimous. Gita Primer is either a five or a zero. Yep. So go buy Black Primer from GW. Yes, absolutely. Answered. So who here has used the Tamiya Primers? I have. Okay. Race of hands. Perfect. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Good. So the quick question is: Is there any difference between the colors for, as far as what the quality goes? No. I no. Don't no. Think so I can't tell any difference yeah. at all. Okay. So then, generally, Tamiya Primers. I'd give it a four, the cost. Cost being the downside? I, I would say three. Just to be different. Come just on, you feel four. I gotta, uh, okay, well, I'm just going quality. I'm going to say it's five. It's thin, mm. and it's good coverage. Mm. I'm going to go with Steve on this one, saying the quality is up there, but the cost is bringing it down to a four pucks. I've never used it, so I'll agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Out of five pucks? Yes. Then we've got the, I guess, the Mr. Hobby. Which I think I'm the only... You're the only one who's used that one. So I'm going to give it a solid four. Again, cost being the main issue. And it's just not quite as good as the G-Dub. The P3, am I the only one there as well? You talked me out of buying a can the other day, so... Yeah. Yeah, I I, I tried it and I didn't like it at all. So what would you give it? I'd give it a one. Yeah, sure. Because it doesn't have any model ruining effects like the Games Workshop White White. does. It just does nothing (laughs) positive. Model ruining primer. That's what you want. <laughs> really get you started off on the right foot. That was their clear model coat. Model looks though. like popcorn. Clear, isn't their clear coat the most notorious for ruining models? For the GW purity seals, yeah, that stuff is. Yeah. yeah. If you like, yeah. if you like gambling, then you'll love it. Well, you'll or love if purity you own seal. your own weather station, you can measure barometric <laughs> pressure and humidity very accurately in your priming area. Then that would probably work. But yeah, that's <laughs> even then. <laughs> even then, it might be a bit of a coin toss. <laughs> yeah, like that oh, gets you to fifty-fifty. Stick in to Alberta, testers. It'll, fi- it'll change in five minutes, uh, Okay, so. so do you want to just... Is it worth separating the Tremclad and the Duplicolor? No, or let's go with Automotive Primer. Just, primer. just yeah, basic automotive. automotive, so... Four, uh, it's it's a little bit gritty. I'd give it a two because it's risky because you pick up the wrong can. If you're not like doing the research or listening to this podcast, you're probably <laughs> picking up an Automotive Primer to save money. And it's and a high it, build. And, and you're screwed. And it'll fill up your models. I've never actually used it, but I'd be wary about it. How's that? Yeah, I've never had an issue with it. The cost is good, and it's it's not my favorite primer of all time, but it's got to be a solid four. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. If you I buy agree. the right one, it's fine. Do you have a favorite primer of all time? Well, it's just the GW stuff, you know? It smells like nostalgia. <laughs> 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 like, whenever we're doing a lot of priming, because we, we prime indoors a lot because we're too lazy to walk the, like, five feet up the stairs. Well, and then we're in Canada, right? So during the winter, it's impossible to prime outside without ruining your models. Well, and then the sure. summer you can't go outside because there's too many mosquitoes or it's raining. So... Yeah. So, more of the story, <laughs> don't live in Canada. Apparently. Um... We got one more to cover. Which which one we missed? I feel like we missed one. Army Painter. Army Painter. I'd give it a... One? If you're painting terrain, a two. I haven't used it. You haven't? Oh, <laughs> nope. one. No higher. Never used it. Me neither. All, All right. right. Um, That took longer than I thought. Two, 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 yeah. two quick things about Primer, though. Let's make it even longer. Let's even, go. even longer. Yeah. I'm going to stretch this motherfucker out. Uh, <laughs> oh, please no. Uh, um, primer. Beginner, intermediate, or expert? Beginner? What? Um, you need it. If you don't prime, you should not paint your models. I, it's, I think it's applicable to all three. You need to, you need to use it re- regardless. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, sure. Two? that I wanted to talk about was uh, which primer do you prefer for painting specific colors? 
Let's I mean, really I, make this longer. I mean, uh, okay, just no, no, no. generalizations. Black primer for dark colors, white primer for super light colors, and gray bright, primer for bright, everything in bright between. Too. Yeah. The, this is a topic we can cover in detail as to how to build a color. Because if you paint white primer and yellow, it's going to be yellow. You paint white primer or yellow and black, it's green. So we can go depending on if you, no yeah we're gonna this leave is, this this is another topic for the day. <laughs> but one other thing, if you're if you're painting your army mainly metallic colors, I would go with a black primer. Oh, too. oh yeah, yes, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, no, you are wrong. No, you're wrong here. You're wrong <laughs> on this one. I don't know, man. You're, I've painted more bulk of metal than all of you combined. Are, are you the one that's disagreeing out of the five of us? I, I'm gonna go ahead and say with the current lack of or sorry the current lack of good metallic paints out there. I would maybe use a gray if you're doing like an Iron Warriors or Necron army and you're wanting to start with just like a bolt gun metal base coat. Pro tip, if you really want great metallics right now, get an oil paint. I'm actually having good luck too with the Vallejo Air metallics. I quite like them. They mm -hmm. brush on. They're pretty good. They brush on like a pre-thinned metallic so you don't it's have to add water to them. because they have a ton, them. I think, of alcohol in them. So that helps. Yep. So they're getting closer to that oil sort of alcohol. mix. <laughs> don't don't drink your paints. Yeah, or huff. Yeah, there's not, there's not the good kind of alcohol, and nor is there enough. Yeah, de in a denatured isopropyl. That's not what you want. That's that's blindness territory. <laughs> that was it. That was all my questions. Oh, okay. Okay. Moving on. We talked enough about primary. Yeah. Think. No kidding. Let's talk about the games we played this week. We actually all hung out and played games together. We did. It was awesome. We high fived. We hooted and hollered. It was great. Yeah. You guys might have had a good time. Okay. Well, why don't. <laughs> So what I'd like to do is what maybe go through a brief run-through of your games, Warden Steve. Gotcha. We played two games, and I lost both. Is that brief? Mm, I no. win. In all, uh, in, I played my Convergence, uh, but I didn't have a battle box, because I don't actually own the battle box. I'm doing kind of a different thing. So I took Aurora and uh, two of the Heavy Jacks, and my Heavy Jacks destroyed your face, but you assassined me every they, time. They did not destroy Sorsha. No, so. that's I got I got some pretty good assassin run, or assassination runs pulled on me. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. She does that. It was fun because that's how I should be playing Aurora. Is kind of what I realized. Yeah, we did we did the battle so. box and then we just upped it by I think four points, three points. Yeah, three, I added in points. a unit of Clockwork Angels and I've started to figure out that they aren't the workhorse that they thought they might be. The They're more of a harassment knees. unit. Yeah. So, anyways, it was good. It was uh, two very close games. I think Sorcha in the last game. I had nobody dead until you killed my caster, but you had nothing left, and Sorcha had four hit points left. You did a good job on killing my jacks. And I almost killed the damn caster. I got close. Yeah. Got that la close. The last game, yeah, you did. It was sure, real so. close. But yeah, that was our games. And Mike, it was mm -hmm. your first game ever playing with your retribution. Yes, absolutely. It was It was actually a lot of fun. I was, uh, okay, I'm surprised. I, it was good. I had a good time. Uh... I'm pretty sure Tom went pretty easy on me, though. Uh, but <laughs> it I, is a battle box game. It it's is tough a to be a complete box. deck. Yeah, but you know, still he had to go gentle. It was your he, first he, time. Yes, it was my first time. He had to. It's important. You don't want to scare <laughs> the person away, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but it was really interesting. <laughs> it was the first game I've ever used Bartolo Montador. So you killed he, my father. <laughs> prepared to die. <laughs> we we kind of think of more like a Montabon. Like going for like the Ricardo Montalban oh. with the massive pecs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's even better. I like they that. thought those were implants. Hey, a lot of people were like, "Oh, did you guys put a suit on him?" And they're like, "No, that's him." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun because, and this is going to segue a little bit into uh, what I was wanting to get out of this segment is I've played a lot against Rhett, but I've never played against Rhett in a battle box level, and it totally changes the dynamic of how you're approaching that game. So, oh, so, well, the big thing is that normally when I'm playing against Rhett, it's a bunch of mage hunters, <laughs> which are just <laughs> shooting over top of buildings and killing people. Okay. Because their UA gives them an ability to ignore intervening terrain. Yep. Just straight up. Yep. It just happens. Oh, like, with their shooting attacks? Not yeah. Not movement? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've had, like, a caster on the other side of a building get shot by mage hunters. Mage hunter strike force. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, but Rhett also uses a lot of infantry instead of just going jack heavy. So oh, yeah. playing in a context where you're actually... There's just jacks. It's just jacks. And I was using arguably some of the shittier Merc jacks because that's what comes with the Bartolo. Oh, he's making excuses because I think... Who won this game? <laughs> oh, Mike totally did. <laughs> All right, so let's continue oh. on making excuses. <laughs> the veteran war machine player. Oh, God, not really. <laughs> no, no, come on. I, I already told you. What easy on me. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was really neat to kind of use different models and use them a different way. And 
everyone plays 50 point games for War Machine, so kind of breaking that mold a little bit was really nice. Not not Ward. Not me. 35. Woo-hoo. That's the jam. <laughs> that's that's my jam. That's his jam, playing 35 point <laughs> games. No, I know what you're saying, because that's what I've been trying to build my list towards, is like, okay, how, like, looking up 50 point lists, and then it was like, oh, Battle Box. That's, that's just Jax. How does that, that's going to be terrible. But it's actually, it actually a fun game. Really it, fun. it depends on your caster, right? Like Sorsha with the battle box, it's I dynamic. She she excels at that because you're not going to have models block uh, like blocking huge like line of sight for me. So as long as I can get like a little bit of uh, leeway on your caster, yeah, that asshole just hid behind bang. a jack the whole time. She she does that. Yeah, that, that's her jam. Yeah, but at the end <laughs> of the day, if you were playing against me, Bartolo Montador's feat is if you end your movement in his control range, you're knocked down. If so I end my feet? Your movement. Oh. Okay. In my control. Oh. So I pop that, and that's a turn of you not being able to assassinate me with any of your nonsense. No, that's true. Wait, can't you spend a focus to get back up? Not during your activation. It's during the control phase. Oh. So you move into his control into his control range. Yeah. You're knocked down. You're humped for a turn. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's pretty cool, actually. It, no, it's it just not. depends, right? It was horrible. But it's be, one of those It would be really <laughs> unenjoyable if you played uh, Iron Mother, because she is steady and can't be knocked down. Yeah, but it's, she's still at minus three on attack rolls yep. while she's in a control range, too. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's it's really, really neat. Good. But the thing I find is that you really get to know the caster. Yeah. Because you you lose some of the interactions with certain solos or units, but you really see what they do with almost nothing else. I would agree. I felt like I learned more about how Aurora should be played in that game than I have in the other two games that we've played, where I've actually had a full... Well, not a full, but like 35-point army. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And the really neat thing about it, too, is that... It's a game that scales, which kind of blows my mind. Like, you look at 40k, and playing a 250-point game is bullshit. Uh, yep, I would agree. Uh, you can. I don't even know if it's possible to play a Space Marine army that would even be a thing. Like, you'd have a captain. So, but even 500 points. Have you ever played a 500 more game of 40k that was remotely worthwhile? No. I, well, I've had fun, but it was because it was a starter set. And it was like showing a friend how to play, and I knew it wasn't serious, because that's not how you play 40k. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're into- entirely right. This scales better, and I don't really even know how, because it's kind of like you just take your Warjack allowance, and then you are you just play, which kind of is weird, because... Well, plus a few Similar to 40k points. in a lot of ways, where you take your troops and your HQ, and you just play. Like, it seems like War Machine shouldn't scale as well as it does. But it just, it changes a lot, because when you're yeah. looking at War Machine in the context of a battle box... It is just your librarian and your dreadnoughts for those 40k players out there. And, yeah, and you're that's really exactly it. you're really figuring out those interactions between those those models, and every piece you lose is kind of a big deal. Oh, totally. And so Usually it is a very interesting skirmish game. Whereas when you get to that 35 or 50 points, where you're taking 20 to 30 infantry plus a handful of jacks, maybe a colossal, it plays more like that larger, almost 40k used to be scaled game. Yeah, I would agree. Right. So it's really interesting that the rules accommodate for all these different point sizes, uh, number of models, and the best thing they do is they change the scenarios. I was just going to say, that was something you were talking about earlier, so go ahead, tell us your magical ideas. Well, it's not my ideas, the Privateer Press's magical ideas. Well, well your insights on their magical ideas. I like them. <laughs> no, <laughs> good, but good insight, right. moving on. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is they've got the mangled metal scenario, which is ideal for 25 points and below, where it's... And you have to play with just your jacks and your warcaster or your beasts and your warlock if you're playing hordes. And the way it works is the scenario is just if you lose your caster or all your jacks or beasts, you lose. Yeah. Oh, if you lose all your jacks? Yeah. Oh. I win. I win that scenario. Too late. Moral victory. I was not paying attention to your game. You moral no, victory. Late. Mangled metal. You did not. I thought Ward knew things. I didn't know. The, I didn't know that. Oh, before. really? You really thought that. Oh, sorry. I, I gave Ward the benefit of the doubt, and I guess it's I was okay. disappointed. Ward, I had no idea. That's my fault. But I'll claim moral victory all day. No, you're one and one. This is great. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I had no idea. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things that would be interesting to see if GW could actually write a scenario based on... No, no, and the sentence there. <laughs> True. The, the, uh, the other great thing about, like, the War Machine scenarios is you can win two ways. Yeah. I like that dynamic as well. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the fact that you can... You can win by completing the scenario or killing the caster is a huge, huge difference. Like, I mean, with the cards that they tried to introduce to 40k, which is 
the closest thing to a secondary sort of way of winning the game it's just so random and insane you never know what you need to do that it doesn't make any sense like at least you know with war machine the scenario ahead of time and you know okay well i can always win by killing a caster yep but i also might be able to do this and at the beginning of the game you can say oh i need to do this or this not well today i have to move into their deployment zone or i have to cast a psychic power like you have no fucking clue with 40k which is terrible from a tactical game standpoint yep and the cool thing is they change them every year Mm. There's new yeah. really I didn't know that a new package yeah. comes out every year the steamroller package yeah. like has its own Ab- scenarios every absolutely. year yeah. so without getting too much That's off topic awesome Mike what was your first real impressions of War Machine relative to other games that you've played for this game oh I I thought um, actually that it played really well for the size like like you said I thought well you know how much fun can this be it's four guys exactly on my side. Thought. I honestly thought, I don't know how fun. All right, I'll play, Tom. Let's go. And it's like, oh, hey, this is not too bad. Oh, hey, I could do this. Oh, there's lots of options to do. Okay, so it's a lot more thinking. Each piece has a lot more things it can do. So it really adds to the game, and it doesn't seem quite as small or insignificant. Did you ever get into the power attacks? Yes, yes, actually, I did. did. Oh, yeah, because that's a huge thing, too. It's not just, you can't, you don't have to just move shoot an assault you can do three different t- things in assault like well i was point. also using my my buccaneer to headbutt his jacks awesome. down and then the the freebooter has trash so it gets additional damage dice on models that are knocked down nice yeah it's so, pretty cool the way the combo so you're tag teaming yeah i was normally the buccaneer does uh charge in and assault because his net knocks down oh yeah okay but uh he was getting his models engaged so it was just which you know as a congratulatory <laughs> maneuver just went and knocked him down to the headbutt so <laughs> No, but it's, it's really fun. And Dan, as the total uh, peanut gallery that was just watching You know games. what's funny, though? Dan actually knows more about War Machine than I do because your <laughs> very best friends play War Machine incessantly and force you to watch. Yep. It's kind of like that scene in Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just strap me to a chair, tape my eyelids open, and uh, I get to watch them play War Machine. It's great. Yeah, it must be a lot of fun. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I have kind of, I guess, learned a lot of things by osmosis. Like, when I'm hearing people talk about stuff or rules, interactions, or whatever. It's actually kind of weird. For a game that I've... I haven't played the current edition, like, I played a little bit of, like, the Mark One like, years ago. And I still know what people are talking about. It's kind of nice. Yeah, to, be able, to actually be able to follow a conversation for a game I've never played is kind of weird, but I like it. Yeah, that's, uh... The number of rules and stats, you can be like, oh, I think your Jack actually does this. How? You've never <laughs> even seen someone play this army. Like, what is going on? But anyways, so uh, what do you think of the game? In general, I think it's fine. It's just the aesthetics don't happen to do it for me. I don't know. It's it's, it's not space where Yeah, it's it's not space where It's like your I, analogy of like a librarian with two dreadnoughts. That's a game I would play. <laughs> <laughs> just get some contemptors and you know Severin Loth, and away you go. But uh, I think we've hit upon a new thing. <laughs> Just play hey, mangled metal 40k games. Unbound. That's we true. We could do it. I could just take an army of librarians and dreadnoughts now. <laughs> yeah, you can. Thanks, do that. GW. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, librarian and dreadnoughts. What did I say? Librarians, plural. You'd only get. One. Well, you could do that too. Who gives a shit? Well, I could have like <laughs> a, a journeyman games, librarian. You know. I guess when you get to that hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. No, I think the battle box is something I'd actually like to do more of. And that's what uh, I was trying to tell you. It's surprisingly fun. I was pushing so hard, like like Mike was saying, where, oh, it's, it's only a few models. It's not going to be that much fun. I was like, okay, can we just play a little bit bigger? I want to get some Clockwork Angels in there and do some other stuff. Because I still don't know how to play them. And it was like, oh, actually, this is this is okay. I'm fine with this. Which yeah. I had, I did not expect. I yeah. thought it was going to be like an intro game. But at the end of the day, it's it's a good way to learn the fundamentals of your army. And then you can get into like the, the synergies and the combos and all the other stuff yep. later. Like totally. you have to You have to learn your basics at some point. And I think my favorite part is that it's not, it is a starter box game, but it doesn't feel as much like a starter box game as any other game I've ever played in my Agreed. life. Agreed. 100%. It Absolutely. still feels like a real game. Yep. Uh, if you tried to pick up a 40k starter set and do the same thing, you'd be bored very quickly. Yeah. I think that covers it. I, we, we're all happy with it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, well... I'm just, just miserable. Dad doesn't all. count. He never likes. And, they're you, not you space know it took him no, to get I something actually, else new. I actually understand that it took me a long time to figure out. Like I like the rule set. I played some Crick stuff. I owned some Crick's models, and then I looked at their chicken jacks and thought, no, nope, never painting those. <laughs> uh, they're so much fun to paint, by the way. Oh, uh, they look awful. 
just awful. <laughs> so, sorry, Crix players, I apologize if you think. Well, you're cool. not calling Crix players awful. You're just saying the models look awful. If you like them, if you like them, you're you might want to get your eyesight checked. Um, <laughs> but that's my my opinion. <laughs> Okay, so I think <laughs> what we've really addressed on here okay. is that Privateer Press does a good job at setting up their games to be played. Yes. yes. So the scaling scenarios, the updates all the time. And one of the things we're going to be doing as a club for Out of the Basement is running a Journeyman League. Which, for those of you who don't know, is a slow-grow league played over six meetings where what you do is you're going to get points both for games that you play as well as for models that you've painted. And you start with battle boxes, and then it incre- it increases incrementally up to fifty points. So it's yep. a really cool league format that I like a lot because it does a lot of things that really good leagues do, which is it keeps it nice and short. Like six meetings is fantastic. So that segues nice into our next segment, which is leagues. <laughs> yes, uh, I think everybody here has played or run in leagues. Uh, yes. What you were talking about is keeping it short. That's the key, is you don't want to have, I mean, obviously more than one or two meetings, but you don't want to have a year-long campaign because people lose interest or have other things to do. Yep, absolutely. Every time. So six weeks, I think, is actually pretty solid. What do you guys think? Yeah, and we're going to be running it over the course of, it'll end up being three months because we have two meetings a month. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, which will still keep in a nice time frame, which... Is my answer to your question. I think three months is a good cap. See, with yeah, with, with that format too, it's good for because you're doing the painting aspect too, right? So yeah. that gives that gives time in between, right? So, well, that that's part of it. If you can do a league that's just gaming, that's fine. But I think the best and most enjoyable way to do it is to say everybody sort of start something new-ish. I mean, you don't want to force everybody to play entirely new stuff, but if you're adding and putting in new units to the army as you're playing in the league, that makes it all sorts better. Like, it's just way more fun. Yeah, because if it's everybody that's on a very similar footing, where if, if people are starting, whether it's a new faction or even just centering around a new caster or something, if everyone's kind of starting fresh in the league as well, like, you're not playing against the one guy who's been playing the same Empire Army for, like, ten years. Yeah. Right? Like, it's if everybody's learning something new, everybody's trying something different, like, it is a really interesting, like, fresh way to play the game. Oh, totally. I agree. Uh, the other thing about leagues that... Uh, needs to be mentioned too is to not go crazy with the scenarios and do completely insane things especially if you're learning new that's that's always a temptation is to write these huge epic backstories that are really cool and then do insane scenarios. Or an aggressive narrative you want to actually have a sort of a playable format in a league or, or that kind of thing so i think an example worth mentioning is privateer press does another form of league which, Man, they're an impressive company. Dude, they actually they, care about the gaming aspect. Yeah, they are the single best company for supporting playing their games that I've ever encountered. Cool. And another format, it changes what it's called every year, but I think right now it's the Scars of Saiyan, and basically what it is, is they have, uh, I think it's again, this one to two months, like four to, to six to eight meetings, and they release an updated tweak to pre-existing models to give them a new special rule, and it's typically one or two per faction. Well, that's kind of cool. And you can ac- actually access it via War Room, their mobile app. And they've got huh. it free for download on their website. And they'll release a couple new scenarios. But because really it's cool. all done by the company, they're not that absurd. They're either similar to the rulebook or the steamroller scenarios. They're not to wacky a point. homebrew stuff. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're sometimes yeah. kind of wacky, but they're still kind of in the scope of what people who want to play the game would play. And the neat thing is you mentioned that Empire player that's always playing the same army. All of a sudden, models change a little bit. So did their rules for those units change within the context of the league, or no, is that overall? It, only in the context of the league. It's just that one league. Okay. So, like, for an example, I played in one at Thunderground, and I forget the name of the one, but the the thing for my faction was my berserkers were a little bit different. They were, like, unchained berserkers, so they, they could do a few different things than your normal berserkers, but okay. I could only use them in the context of that league. Outside that, they were not allowed. So they go back to, to being normal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which was pretty neat. And, I mean, it, n- models didn't change. It was basically just uh, a card that was uh, you could print or download and basically gives you, like, eight different factions, different abilities. Has I really a, like that. Has that's another cool. prospect. That, I mean, bet that's a really good way to play test something they want to try out later in the future sure. as well, right? Absolutely. And yeah. it's really neat, too, because it keeps it... Let's say you are that guy that has that one army and you're not necessarily either have the interest to get into another one or the ability to afford a new one. You can play a new style of game, 
and like that little bit of a tweak with the models that you already have and you've already got painted. Like I actually really like that. That's I think clever. That's brilliant. I had no idea they did that. And they run three or four of them a year. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I bought a second berserker because of that leak. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> and it sold models. This is development. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. when you make people excited to play your games, you will sell models. Cool. That's that hard to argue. At anyone, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Just um, a general statement. Just putting that out there. No, that's that's so. In terms of leagues, going with a company uh, sort of sponsored league. I know GW has done stuff like that before. Like too. Mighty Empires. Well, they've done uh, I mean, even crazier stuff where like the campaign. Vogan. Getting. Uh, We've all. I think every single one of us played in the Vogan campaign back. That was their yes. city fight one. That was yeah, yeah when yeah, the city fight codex. Came and then out. I and then I used the map for a different one. <laughs> We all did. We yeah, all worked at sure. Games Workshop. We used that map. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, they do. They do. Oh, right, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Mike never did. So but you he... played in the mall. No, I never did. No? no He's the guy who just show up to buy models and win painting contests. Yeah. I was, okay. It was too many kids there, and honestly, it, I was... Yeah, we were all working there. It was too kids kiddie. like me. It was too, ki- <laughs> too many yeah. kids for me. Let's punk kids like Steve and I. Yep, that was us. So I got one question. We were talking about... Leagues, are you guys more in favor of competitive leagues or narrative leagues? The narrative leagues for me have always been a bit of a challenge because getting everybody on board with narrative leagues seems harder. Like, there was when we played the uh, we played a, a variant of Mighty Empires um, in out of the basement a long time ago where you were supposed yeah. to, you know, your core units and your um, general from your first game you had to use throughout the league. And there were some shenanigans because some of the guys there. They're, they didn't weren't like long term club members, but um, there were some players that were very much playing it more competitively. So they were really kind of pushing the rules and not really wanting to play within those self imposed restrictions. And it was getting a little bit frustrating at times. Like some of the armies that became just like face beaters when other people were playing like the fluffy characterful stuff. So it's yeah, it's one of those neat problem. things. If you can get everybody on board with it, it's fine. But that's not why everybody's in the hobby. It can be tough to assemble that group. And I think that really comes back to the single biggest recommendation I could make for running a league is know who's going to play it and accommodate those players, right? Because just like you're saying, some guys want the more fluff, some guys want the more competitive, and maybe you're just going to end up running two different leagues at different times for those players. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think, uh, in my opinion, I like the, the fluff leagues a little bit more because I think, especially in the context of GW stuff, this day and age, it's a lot more fun to play that sort of fluff league instead of something crazy. But I would consider myself more of a competitive gamer at heart. That's why I like to play games. Otherwise, I'd just play role-playing games. Um, And I think the competitive leagues have more staying power. I think people can see and sort of focus on that central goal of crushing face more so than forging a narrative because everybody has a different idea of what the narrative should be and then some people get into some franchise and lose face or whatever and then don't want to play i think it's easier to run a competitive league i i agree with that but i i like the the fluffiness i liked when mm-hmm. gw did their like summer campaigns eye of terror oh my god eye could, of terror armageddon that's the reason i have a salamander's army and you could submit the reason anyone has a salamander's oh. army <laughs> armageddon was the best they, they did a fantastic job for those, and, I mean, it might not have progressed the stories as far as we wanted, but they were cool just to be, like, a part of and, and see what's yeah. going Well, and on. back then, be like, they used to release books with variant rules, Old Boy Strike models. Force, one of the coolest armies ever. Or, for me, it was honestly the, because uh, I was always more of a fantasy player, but the Storm of Chaos campaign. Yep. Great campaign, too. Yep. When they had, Super like, fun. Fen, fen Beasts, and, or Albion. Oh, Albion, yeah, that was have. I painted up two of the giants for my dad because he liked them. Like, they were so cool. I love those models. He still has them on his huh. shelf. I'm not what? kidding. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. The Giants of Albion. The Giants of Albion. I am not lying at all. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm a Dogs of War player, and I never painted those models. <laughs> I have them. I have them you in a box somewhere. Yeah. I bought them from McKellar like a couple years ago. I never painted the wizard. <laughs> that wizard, I didn't care. I, I, had, I had the Dark uh, Emissary. I had the Dark Emissary and the Truthsayer. Yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a Truthsayer. I never had a Dark Emissary. Oh man, this has diverged into a very different path than we were talking about. <laughs> the point is, if you could have gone back in time and played in the campaign, play in the Storm of Chaos. Well, yep, if you, or if you Albion, apparently. Okay, wait, Storm of Chaos was the one with, uh, with oh, why can't I think of his Archeon. name? Archeon. Archeon. And they released that really cool model for him. And they that. also had Valton, who was the... The champion. Empire, yeah. yeah. Who got totally ganked by an assassin. 
Yeah. yeah, that was kind of cool. I like that. I think they told the story in that better than they did with like Armageddon, where it was just like, oh, and there's orcs there forever because there's lots of them. <laughs> That's the end of that story. But but the main the main thing was were those were awesome because you felt like you were a part of it. Like yeah. you were submitting results with like it was hundreds immersive. of other people. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, if you could do a narrative campaign with a website like Armageddon, where you could be like, "Oh, the bale is falling. Like, we need to check on that city. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's forty-four percent orcs." That was the coolest part in my mind. Yeah. So I think what this comes down to is the more thematic ones just require that much more work. Mm-hmm. And so when Games Workshop used to dedicate an entire summer's releases worth of new models, new rules, just to that campaign, they were amazing. I think oh, yeah. I think it paid off. And so when you're doing it as like one guy in a club. And you don't necessarily have more than an hour a week to dedicate to it. It's not always as entertaining. No, very true. And I think now, like, I really like the journeyman format because I'm more of the hobbyist. So I like kind of both aspects where you get points for painting, you're doing like a new army, you're all kind of like learning at the same time. Um, that that's kind of the campaign that I personally like, or uh, the league format. league format that I that I prefer right now. I did have a question though. Uh, I know that Ryan Boyd r- ran a few. Like, yes, he was did. his more narrative? He had a lot of narrative elements to it. For and sure. he also, when I was talking about having, he was the quintessential league, like narrative campaign. Uh, he, he was the DM basically. He right? was like so yeah. good at it though. Like, well, not only that, but he put the time job. in to make it awesome. He gave he had a website for it that had your week's narrative, like, this is what my Skaven Grace here was doing this week. And my war boss had a story every week. Yeah. And there was special, uh, he had uh, like, I different have a magic mug. items. Was it, was it Architect of Fate? Or? Yeah. yeah. I have a mug from that campaign. I have a Blood for the Blood God mug, because I killed, like, four characters or something ridiculous. <laughs> like, he had prizes for it. He had it so thought out. That's the way to run a narrative campaign. Yeah. But he still had it set up so that the winners were paired off against the people, the front runners, like people that were up at the top of the campaign played each other, and the pairings were very well thought out. So you still had the competitive players playing a competitive game, which made sense and worked. Gotcha. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mike? How about yourself? Have you had a chance to play many leagues? No, actually, no, I didn't. I, so I the didn't Journeyman League is going to be one of your first? For, yes, it'll be one wow. of them. But I, I have played one of Ryan's, and I started off the other one, the 40K one at the club, but that's about it for leagues for me, because it just... Mike doesn't like people. Me. No, I don't. It was you, Ward. You were at the store. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't okay, hang you. around you. <laughs> God, that makes sense now. So, here's a question for you guys. What about... Map-based campaigns versus just, like, a leaderboard style. What do you like more? Uh, map-based map. are cooler. I can see map-based campaigns in a store, because it's something you can hang on the wall. People can walk and be like, hey, what's that? And then it's a good way to, oh, we're playing a game. This is how we're doing it. This is the league setup. It's a pain. It's a good. It's a good advertising mm, method, played, but it's work. I've yeah. played in those ones, and it's like, okay, well, when can everybody meet on Tuesday? We need to roll to see who gets to move first on the map and you have to have another meeting for moving the map so uh, at, at that regard, it depends on how far you want to get into the campaign right because mm-hmm. I mean you could do like everybody is their own individual thing for sure uh, I did a variation of the Vogan map where basically you were either like uh, team good or team like evil for like 40k I like that more and you took over like sections so basically as long as one person from team like good was attacking somebody from team evil had to defend you didn't really and then you need less people to move the factions around. Yeah, they could the, still move around and everything like that. And for that, I just had the Vogan map. Um, I had like little, you can get like little flag uh, pins yep. from Staples. And so basically, good and evil were two different colors. Everybody got to build like a home base. So they got to paint an individual flag and put it on the board so their armies could respawn or attack from there, that sort of thing. So that's cool. I like yeah, that actually. And I mean, that's. For that, that's a little bit more basic. You can go into that individual aspect if you want and have this guy's going to move here and this guy is across the map and he's going to move up one. And basically that takes like six weeks and you just finally get to head to head. So pro tip, if anybody uh, does not want to buy the Mighty Empires tiles or the Cities of Death or whatever they are, the tiles from GW. Planetary Empires? Planetary Empires. You get the foam core board, print out a cool map with some different little territories. You've got the same thing. Yeah, you could definitely do something like that, and you know, might cost you ten or twenty bucks to get the materials rather than fifty or sixty. You but should, the Vogan map is way. You cool. should be able to download the Vogan map. Like it's hard to find these days. Like, like you have to kind of hunt for it, but it's there. Yeah, good because it's actually in my mind, it's it's cooler. It's like a it's an actual like Astra Militarum order sort of map. 
And it's got a bunch of named places, and if you can find the old rules for it, too, they had different scenario quirks for the different places you were fighting in. Yeah, you got, like, a free sniper in... uh, Yeah, like, Assassin's Alley or something like that. that. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Just, like, a Vindicar just picking off characters from the rooftops. That's actually pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely lots of really, really cool systems to do and different ways to do the map campaigns, but, yeah, I think it's one of those things where the more work you're willing to do the more it'll pay off, and sadly that often means the guy running it can't play. Maybe we should do one as the five of us. Ooh, this is not a bad idea. Getting us all to agree on a <clears> game <throat> system could dystopian. be kind of challenging, though. If Actually, we're all, dystopian. If we're all getting into dystopian. It, yeah, that might be the easiest we one. We might need to set aside multiple days to finish a game. No, we'll keep the we'll keep the point sizes small. And none of us really like each other, so we won't be like socializing or anything like those other guys were. Fuck, okay, yeah. that's not going to no. work well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I think it'll work really well to... Um, we just keep the point sizes small, which is another thing worth talking about. Is this, the size of the games really changes the feel of the, of the campaign? So especially in a league, it doesn't have to be your eighteen fifty or fifty points. Yeah, if, or whatever. if everything just ends up being like practice for tournaments, it gets yeah. pretty tiresome. Size does matter. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. Yeah. Guys <laughs> <laughs> are all looking at me. I can't argue with it. <laughs> it's just funny because well, you're like four feet tall. No, but no, a I'm tall. On a league day, you should be able to get in two games. So that means fifty point uh, lists or eighteen fifty for forty k or twenty five hundred for fantasy are probably too big. Especially if you have to spend an hour doing matchups or stuff with the maps or yeah, whatever. You yeah. know, that sweet spot's probably more around the 1250 to... I honestly think 1500 for fantasy is... Am- or I guess 1600 these days. Yeah, math is... Yeah, if you're 25%. Yeah. Uh, even. 1250 yeah. or even 1,000 points for 40k. Because I remember all the campaigns we played for 40k was 1,000 points. Yeah, and I... You Pretty know what? I actually yeah. kind of like that. Because uh, once you get your two troops in HQ, you don't have a lot of points around for Imperial Knights and that kind of shenanigans. So it's a little more fun in my mind from a beer and pretzel style. I would almost I'm going to go on a limb here and say I would almost play a Vogan campaign with you guys if we played 1,000 points 40k. Okay, but we need to submit lists beforehand because, okay, as long as we go no allies. <laughs> yeah, no allies. No allies. No no pure pure lists, one codex. One, one codex, codex, pure list. No heavy, no super heavies. Cause you could well, do it's 1,000 co- points, man. That's no, you, be- could do, you could do one codex, Imperial Knights. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, just take three knights. It'd be fine. Yeah. You could, well, you couldn't do that. Two nights. You could, no, you do three. You could totally do three. Because how many points are there? 270. 275? Oh. 370. 370. Oh, uh, 370, no, you, you can only do two. You could do two, which would put you to serious disadvantage, I guess. <laughs> and is that not even your compulsory at that point? Uh, I don't think they actually have compulsory. They don't have an HQ or two troops. You just take you just nights. Take <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but this, I think uh, maybe Dystopian might be something we'll do sooner, but... I like the I, idea of a Vogan campaign with a thousand points pure, and like if somebody clearly takes a Seer Council... That's a no. You don't get to do that. But I think I think that could be a lot we, of fun. I think we should uh, visit this after our uh, painting contest with John and you know see what, we what happens do? over the We should do a uh, listener vote of what league we should do. Ooh. Open to the games that we actually play. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> compile a list and you'll find it in the notes. Moving on from that, I guess. Yeah. Because that's totally a tangent that's more just for us than listeners. It is. It's true. But you guys can make us suffer or enjoy a campaign depending on how you see fit. Yeah, that's true enough. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other things you guys have to say about league play or any experiences you may have had? I think we've covered everything that I have to say. I think leagues are also a good place to meet new players if you're going into like a more public setting for the league. So, Like a store um, league kind of thing? Yeah, so like again, Thunderground, I'm, I met some They run leagues gamers, right? all the time. So, yeah, he does quite He runs ev- anything Privateer Press does, he will run. Cool. Yeah, so I, I, I just think it's a good way to meet other gamers as well. My two yep. cents. Pro tip. Done. <laughs> no, fair enough. Pro tip. Play with other people. Well, I think mm-hmm. there's uh, one other comment as well, just coming back to the concept of map-based campaigns. Um, one of the challenges that... Uh, it totally slipped my mind, but um, one of the challenges that I've found with playing some of those systems are if you're really constrained by the map, um, it can in a lot of ways restrict who you're going to play against in the campaign. Like, if you're only attacking people that are adjacent to you, you might only be playing the same one or two people the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's something to consider as well doing the map-based campaigns, like doing it the way Ward had, where it was like good, you know, good team versus evil team, and then you know you just kind of pick random matchups as you go for who plays off the individual battles. That's a good point. That way you get a lot more variety, and it's not like okay, well the only person next to me is Jim. Jim's away this week. Jim's gonna get ganked. So like, do I even get to play, <laughs> or do I just win by default? Yeah, you know, like yeah. having the teams for the map-based campaigns makes the logistics a bit easier and more more variety for sure. Oh, and it was it was huge. Like we would have like a 
sign-up list. We had, like, 30 players jammed into that store. Like, it was... It was an awesome time. Yeah, we even had a good time. Uh, there was the one league we ran where we actually made the board, like a 3D fantasy board mm-hmm. for a league, which was a lot of fun, too. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nostalgia, Nostalgia. time. Yeah. <laughs> Leagues are fun. Play them. Somebody must be spring primer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's an episode for us. So, as always, thanks for tuning in to Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Steve. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And paint your models, have fun, and play in some leagues!